Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to Luke chapter 2. Thank you, Gene, for that solo. We appreciate that. Luke chapter 2 this morning. Do you appreciate Gene Broughton? How many years has she been at that organ? A hundred. Thank you, Tony. A long time. We sure appreciate faithfulness. Thank you, Mrs. Broughton. We appreciate you. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're glad that you're here this morning. We got cold overnight, didn't it? And it's going to get cold again tonight, but we hope that you'll join us here in the house of God at 6 o'clock for our evening service as we bring in the new year in the house of God. What a great way to do that, to be together with God's people. Luke chapter 2, we're finishing up our series, Christmas Callings, and this will be the last message of the series. It was five Sundays this week, so we broke it up to the five different messages, or five Sundays this year in December. But today we're going to look about eight days after Christmas. The call of Simeon and Anna. In Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 21. The Bible says in Luke, two, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I like how the Bible puts the name Jesus there, all capital letters. Does yours do that as well? I don't know if there's some sort of significance to that. I know when the word Lord is all capitalized, it, it's talking about Jehovah God. And, and so that it helps us with understanding what name for God we are speaking about. But the name Jesus, I, I know from texting and emailing, when you put things in all capitals, it means you're shouting it. And I, I, don't, I don't know if the translators 400 years ago thought of that, but I like the idea that we ought to proclaim and shout the name of Jesus. And so the Bible gives us the name of Jesus. His name uh, was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he um, him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess of the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Azer. She was of a great age, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. 
Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and praise your holy name. We thank you for the story of Christmas, the rejoicing around the birth of the Christ child. But Lord, as we'll learn today, it doesn't have to stop the day after Christmas. It can continue on in our hearts throughout the year. Father, help us to rejoice today in the Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we have a backwards glimpse of his whole life. Not only was he born, but he was died. He died, was buried, and rose again and intercedes on high on our behalf. And we thank you and praise you for that wonderful gift today. Father, I pray that you'd help me as I preach. I need your strength. I need your filling. So I surrender to you and ask that you would help each one of us with your spirit today. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Simeon and Anna are a wonderful pair of characters that we find at the end of the Christmas story. Eight days after the Lord Jesus Christ was born, his parents took him up to Jerusalem. It's not very far from Bethlehem, it's just a few miles uh, if you were to go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem in those days. And today, the borders, almost like Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville, Toronto, you really can't tell the difference as you travel from town to town, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. So they took this short trip up into the temple area, and they meet an odd pair of people, Simeon and Anna. I say odd in a kind of an endearing way. The Bible says that children of God are to be peculiar people. And Simeon and Anna stand out because they were servants of the Most High God and they were spirit-filled people. And we notice some things about them. They don't seem to get the attention of the shepherds and the wise men. Some overlook them as part of the Christmas narrative because they were not witness to an angel chorus, nor were they led by a star. No, their call was even more incredible. Some might say today, boy, I would have loved to have been on that hillside when the shepherds witnessed the angels singing glory to God in the highest. And others might have said, boy, I would have liked to have seen that star. But what Simeon and Anna had was even more impressive. They communed personally with God. See, angels were sent from God, and a star was hung by God, but the Holy Spirit was God. And he communed personally with Simeon and Anna, as we'll notice today. I want to give you some background about each of them. First of all, we know that Simeon, the Bible says, was a just and a devout man with an expectation to see the consolation of Israel. The consolation was not some event, but the word consolation literally means one who draws alongside and brings comfort. The consolation was a person. It was the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was anxiously waiting to see the Messiah. Not only was the Holy Ghost present in his life, but he also listened to him. And the Bible says in verse it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. I wonder how often, just as an aside this morning, we miss things that God has in store for us simply because we're not listening to him. Anna, the Bible talks about her and says that she was about 84 years of age. Verse 37, she was a widow of about four score and four years. She'd been married for seven years, the Bible says, and then her husband died, and now she was 84. Likely, she'd been a widow for over 50 years and perhaps even 60 years, considering how young one might have married. 
She served God faithfully. She didn't leave the temple night or day. Can you imagine for these 60 years or however long she had been a widow, she just stayed there night and day. And perhaps people thought she was homeless. She'd find a corner at night to crawl into and sleep there in the temple courtyard. But night and day, she would pray and she would fast. The Holy Ghost was also upon her, for the Bible said she was a prophetess. Well, that scares good fundamental Baptists, doesn't it? But that's what the Bible says she was. I don't necessarily believe that that means that she was one that received a word from God directly, direct revelation from God. You say, why is that? Because God has been silent for 400 years. He had said nothing until he came to Zacharias and announced the birth of John the Baptist. And so for the greatest part of her life, there was no word from God. But I believe the word prophetess here literally means one that could take the scrolls, Isaiah, or, or some of the writings of Elisha, or First or Second Samuel or such, and she could rightfully interpret the word of God. God gave her an insight in the word of God, and you say, why would God do that? Simply because she was a woman of prayer and fasting. The God revealed to her the deeper truths of scripture, and I believe she was a great help to all those that would visit the temple because of the gifts that God had given her. We notice about Simeon that his life and service for God were, <coughs> excuse me, outside the temple. And Anna's life and service was inside the temple. Can I say to you today that these characters stand as a typography for us this morning that we need both. We need some that faithfully serve in the house of God, but we also desperately need those that will take the church to the world. That will take Jesus Christ to a lost and dying community that needs so desperately to hear of his saving power. And so we have Simeon that served outside and we had Anna that served inside, but both were faithful in their service. There were some similarities about them. We see, first of all, a presence. They both had the Holy Ghost. The Bible proclaims that Simeon was a man that was just and devout and he, the Holy Ghost was upon him and the Spirit spoke to him and showed him that he would not see death till he had seen the Lord's Christ. And that day that, that he met Jesus Christ in the flesh was a day that the Holy Spirit tapped him on the shoulder and said, it's time to make your way to the temple. And Anna was a prophetess who lived in the temple, fasted and prayed, and lived by the Holy Ghost's pleadings in her life. We also see in similarity that not only was there a presence, but there was a promise. And again, we see Simeon as a type of a promise received. God was very vocal with Simeon, and, and the Bible says the Holy Ghost told him, revealed unto him, showed him, and he knew that, the, that, that he would not die until the Lord Jesus Christ came. You know, you can't give a promise like that to just anybody. You have to give it to somebody who's not afraid of death. Can you imagine if Simeon feared death and he knew the Christ child was born, the Messiah was here, and he walked into the temple and saw that baby and went, uh-oh, I guess it's time for me to go. But Simeon rejoiced. He said, let now thy servant depart in peace, for I have seen the Lord's Christ. He was excited about what God was doing in his life. And so he is a picture of a promise received, but Anna is a picture of a promise believed. Nowhere in scripture do we see that 
that God had told her anything about the Messiah coming. The Bible does not say to her that she was expecting God to send his son, Jesus Christ, that she would one day see the Messiah. But she believed in her heart to the extent that when that child came in, she knew it was the Christ. Can I say to you today that Anna is a wonderful example to us? We all can be like Simeon and we can see the promises of Scripture and we can believe them and receive them. But you know, when we walk by faith, it's important that we believe in some promises too that we don't necessarily have. They say, wait a minute, you're talking about extra biblical stuff? Not at all. Because I believe that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, I, I can believe and trust him with my finances day to day. When I get into a tough spot and I wonder how I'm going to meet my bills, I can honestly believe like Anna, uh, though I do not have a word from God that says, hey, I'm going to pay that bill for you, I can trust him to take care of that need. Several years ago, I had a lady, uh, I call her a lady for lack of a better term, backed into my car. And uh, it was interesting because I I had been parked there all day. I was in the church in Hamilton, and I had parked on the street uh, down at the, when we rented an old United Church, and I got there early in the morning. There wasn't a car on the street. I parked there. Later on, this lady came to a hair salon, and she parked in front of me, and she backed into me. And that wasn't a big deal. I would have never known, probably, because it didn't do anything to my car, but it scratched her bumper. And so they came in, and they were looking for the person who had wrecked her car, and so I, I went out and I said, what's, what's the problem? And she says, well, you backed into, you ran into my car. I said, man, when I parked here, there wasn't a car on the street. I said, I haven't moved the car. It's been there for about eight hours now. Nope, nope, you, ba- you banged into my car. And the hairdresser came out waving her hairbrush. I'd seen that before. My mom used to do that. She waved her hairbrush at me. She says, you ran into her car. I saw you hit her car. Well, I was finished. The Bible says that we're to be blameless. I said, ma'am, you go get an estimate and off to take care of it. She went down to the garage and it was just a little scratch, but don't you know they repaint the whole car for that little scratch? It was $300. I said, all right. But you know, there's a promise in the Bible that says, my God shall supply all your need. I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't have the cash. And so we just prayed about it. That was on a Saturday. You know, on Sunday I came to church and there was an envelope on the back table. I said, pastor... Just felt a burden for you. And we opened it up and there was $300 cash inside that envelope. I never told anybody in the church. God took care of it. You see, because we have promises that we receive, we can believe God for other things too. And we can trust God that he loves us and he's working all things together for good. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And so Anna is a wonderful example of not just a promise received, but a promise believed and God blessed her life because she trusted in him. Some similarities, there was a presence and a promise. Now, let me talk about their calling this morning. I want you to notice, first of all, a call to patience. How how many of you like that word, patience? I used to pray for my wife when she was homeschooling our kids. And then not only was she crazy enough to homeschool our kids, she homeschooled Rob's as well. We had a house full of kids. And she was homeschooling, and I'd say, Lord, give my wife patience today. And she said, would you stop praying that? She says, the trying of my faith worketh patience. I said, obviously, I'm trying something. (laughs) Boy, she didn't like, we don't like patience. How many of you like to be told to be patient? We don't. 
Because when we are told to be patient, it's usually because we're not being patient. And we don't like to be told that. Well, I don't like to be told to be patient. But Simeon and Anna were patient. The Bible says that about Simeon in particular, in verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. Look what the next word is. Waiting. Not just waiting for Christmas Day. Not just waiting for a medical appointment or some unimportant thing. He was waiting for the biggest event in history, for the consolation of Israel. But he was waiting. And he was waiting. The Bible says that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And that's who he was waiting on. I'm sure Simeon was a joy to be around and an excitement in his life about his walk with God. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost and and because of that filling of the Holy Ghost, he was able to have some patience in his life. And we see, first of all, it was a faithful waiting. He had waited for many years. The Bible says that when he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, let now thy servant depart in peace. The promise was attached to his death. If Simeon were 40 years old, I don't imagine that the Holy Ghost would have said, now I'm not going to let you die until you see. You don't normally attach those things. I've been beside the bedside of people that are dying. They say, I'd just like to live long enough to see my grandchild married. Or I'd like to live long enough for some other event. And so it was attached somehow to his death. The promise was made based on Simeon getting older and wondering how much time he had left. And God said, no, no, don't worry about it. You'll see Christ first. It was a faithful waiting. He had waited a long time. The Bible says that Anna was 84 years of age and she had served in that temple for many decades, we believe, in fasting and prayers night and day. She was faithful while she waited. And I want to challenge you this morning as a wonderful example to us that the Bible says we are to watch and be ready. There are scoffers today that say, where is the promise of his coming? The things that never change. Think about this. From Genesis chapter 3 until the Lord Jesus Christ came. In Genesis chapter 3, we received the first promise of the Messiah. About the seed of the woman bruising the serpent's head. Nearly 4,000 years would pass before he would come. It's only been 2,000 since the last promise. And yet there are scoffers today. They mock and laugh and scorn. And they wonder, where is the promise of his coming? Oh, but he came. He came the first time and he'll come again. Thankful for the music today. I I was thinking about this coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and this waiting and this faithful waiting and this patient waiting. And I never knew that the ladies were going to sing that song. And I tied Jesus' coming again to their song. I hadn't picked it for my message, but I'm thankful today that God has a theme for us today and that he's coming again and we are to faithfully wait for the return of the Lord. But the Bible says to watch and to be ready. We see not only was it a faithful waiting, it was a filled waiting. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you know what I have come to understand? That when we sin... And we're not filled with the Holy Ghost like we ought to be. And we're not surrendered to his leading in our lives. That's when the devil comes and steals our hope. We're not thinking about the return of the Lord. We're not thinking about the goodness of the Lord. We're not thinking how God can provide for our needs. That's because we're in the flesh. 
But when we're filled with the Spirit like Simeon and Anna were, we, we're, we're waiting on God, filled with the Holy Ghost and doing his work and serving him faithfully. But not only was it a faithful waiting and a filled waiting, it was a fulfilled waiting. They realized their dreams. The Bible says that Simeon got to hold him. Isn't it wonderful how God does more than he promises? Notice what the promise was to Simeon. And it was revealed, verse 26, unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had what? Everybody awake this morning? You're going to step till midnight. You can handle 1030 in the morning. He had seen. He had seen. Did Simeon get to do more than just see? He got to hold him. Man, God is good, isn't he? How many of you know the difference between look and don't touch? I learned that as a child. Hey, can I see that? And I'd want to grab it and hold it and turn it and twist it, take it apart, see how it worked. That's not seeing. That's destroying or looking. Simeon didn't get just to see it. He didn't just get to gaze upon that child. He got to hold him in his arms. And he held him up before the Lord. And he got to rejoice in that Christ child being born. What a great God that we serve. It was a fulfilled waiting. Simeon got to hold him and Anna proclaimed him. The Bible says she spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. She, she couldn't just, for, for 50 and 60 years, she had talked about the coming of the Lord and she had uh, prophesied that Jesus was coming. But now, she could point across the courtyard and say, there he is. He's right over there. There's your redemption. Oh, I've been telling you week after week that your redemption draweth nigh. I've been prophesying for these 50 and 60 years that God is coming soon, that in the form of a baby, he would come, as it says in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. And she would prophesy and proclaim the scriptures. But now she could say he's right over there. What a blessing to have our promises fulfilled. So we see, first of all, it was a call to patience. You know that when we wait upon the Lord, God gives us great things. We just need to learn to trust him. Then we see, secondly, it was a call to praise. A call to praise. The Bible says in verse 28, Then took he lump in his arms and blessed God and said, That word blessed comes from the Greek word eulogio, which sounds like our English word eulogy. And that's where it comes from. It means to sing someone's praises. And that's what we do when you eulogize somebody. Have you ever been to a funeral where they speak poorly about the de deceased? I've probably been to a couple hundred funerals. And I can only remember one time where they spoke poorly. I remember one time that Pastor Shaw had come home from, a, uh, from the States and he was, had, had pastored in Canada for several years and Somebody had passed away at the church and they had asked that he'd have a part in the funeral. And he got in the room with the family before the service and he was meeting with them and he, he asked if anybody wanted to, to say anything at the funeral. And one lady stood up and she says, he was a no good, rotten, I don't, and she was mean. And I was out speaking with uh, another part of the family because two parts of the family weren't talking and it was just a mess. And he came on and he goes, there's nothing coming out of that room that's going to be allowed to speak. I said, okay, it's fine. And he told me what had happened. That's not what a eulogy, a eulogy means to speak good of someone, to sing praises of someone. 
And that's where the word blessed here comes from, the same word as eulogy. And the Bible says that Simeon blessed them and he blessed the Lord. And what did he do? He, he sang praises unto God. I often used to hear people say, and we'd read in scripture, bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And I thought, how can I ever bless God? How can I be a blessing to him? But it literally means to speak his praises. And that's what we are to do. You'll notice that as Simeon began to bless God, the, the Bible says he spoke of his goodness. It says, for mine eyes, verse 30, have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them. And said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. We see, first of all, that we praise him for providing salvation. The Bible says this for both Jew and Gentile in verses 30. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. You'll notice John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Jesus died for all. Oh, friend, if you don't know him, you must be saved today. Come to Jesus Christ who died for your sins. The Bible says in verse 32, he's a light to lighten the Gentiles in the glory of thy people Israel. He was both to the Jew and the Gentile. He was for all men. We glory in his salvation today. We praise him for providing salvation, but we praise him for providing a sign. Look what it says in verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Notice some things about this sign. You know, Isaiah prophesied that Christ would be a sign. He said in Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. We notice, first of all, it's a sign of change. When Jesus Christ came, he changed everything. The world was turned upside down. Salvation was now through the Son, Jesus Christ, and all that come to God must come through Jesus Christ. And you'll notice this change is mentioned in verse 34. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. That's change. Leadership will change. Religious leaders will change. How we view God will change. Jesus was a sign of change. We see also he was a sign of conflict. The Bible says in verse 34 again, uh, for a sign which shall be spoken against. Jesus Christ was rejected of man. He died on the cross. Boy, more people, I, I think more people probably, if we read our Bibles properly, the Bible talks about multitudes that followed him and came out into the, into, into the hillsides and into the, into the valleys and different places. They would meet with Jesus Christ outside of the city and there they would be healed and they would hear the wonderful life-giving words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there were so many more that hated him. The Roman Empire despised him. The Jews... The Pharisees, the Sadducees hated him for his authority. They felt that he was blasphemous. The Romans hated for him because they thought he might bring their kingdom down. That he was a rebel. He was spoken against and rejected and died on a cross. He was a sign of conflict. But he was also a sign of conviction. 
The Bible says in verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You see, here's why they hated Jesus so much. Because he could look into your eyes and see your soul. I'm reminded of John chapter 4 of the Samaritan woman by Jacob's well. And he said, go and fetch thy husband. And she says, I have no husband. He says, thou hast spoken correctly, for thou hast had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. Boy, that's conviction. You know, we would do well this coming year if we would just get along with Jesus a little bit more. and Allow him to convict our hearts. Here's Mary, one that is highly favored among women. I have to believe that Joseph was in high regard as well, or God would not allow him to be the father of his earthly son. And yet the Bible says to them that their soul would be pierced through. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Conviction. I believe that's a direct reference to the word of God. The word of God is a sword. It's powerful. It's two-edged. And it pierces to the soul. To the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It, it knows our thoughts and the intents of our heart. Jesus is the living word. Can I challenge you if you get anything. If you want to make a New Year's resolution today. And, and let, me, let me say this. When you make a New Year's resolution, don't do it in your own willpower. Commit it to God in prayer. Ask God to apply it to your life. And I think one of the greatest resolutions we can make is, God, I want to get alone with you more. And I want to allow you to work in my heart and tear my heart up a little bit. Pour in the salt if you have to. But then soothe it with the balm of Gilead once I'm cleansed. Oh God, speak to me and move in my heart. And we see with Simeon and Anna that, or that God said to them that uh, used them to prophesy that, they would, uh, that Jesus was a sign, but he was a sign of conviction. They would come to set things right. Then we see that they had a call to proclaim. Notice what Anna did with all this information, verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. This wasn't knowledge that she kept to herself. We read about nine months ago as an angel comes to Mary and the Bible says she pondered all these things in her heart. She just kept them in her heart. And later on we see that the wise men came when Jesus was just a couple years old and again she just pondered them in her heart. You see, Mary was charged with the safety of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Anna wasn't. Anna was charged with proclaiming Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today, you're not, you're not charged with his safety. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's doing just fine. But we are charged with proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. It was all about redemption. Look what it says. There was a lot of things that she could have said. She spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She didn't, she didn't tell him about this new baby. She didn't say, well, look, at, he's, he's got his father's eyes and his mother's cheeks. Go over there and smell his hair. He smells so cute. How much does he weigh? Isn't that the question? I have to write those things down now. I'll get a call or we'll hear somebody had a baby. And, and I, now I, I've had to program. Okay, what's the name? Middle name. All right. Weight. 
time of birth, I have to get all that because I know as soon as I get home, my wife's going to say, well, how much do they weigh? I'm going to be honest with you. With names today, sometimes I've, I've heard names, a name maybe like Tyler. That could be a boy's name or a girl's name. And I'll get home, what'd they have? Uh, it's Tyler. Oh, it must be a boy. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm a guy. I don't ask for all those details. But I've learned, write it down. Anna wasn't concerned about all those details either. She wasn't worried about how big he was when he was born, how long he was. The Bible says she didn't, didn't even ask his name. Instead, all she cared about was telling everybody, redemption's right over there. You remember I've been telling you for all these years that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Savior is coming. He's here! Man, we ought to proclaim that, shouldn't we? We're not waiting on it anymore. He's already come. And now we must proclaim it to a lost and dying world. It was a call to proclaim. And I want you to think on this this morning as we close. This is important to me. And this is what convicted my heart of this message. It was a call to perceive. I got to admit, I'm a skeptical, skeptical guy. I really am. And when I hear of God doing something, I'm sometimes like, hmm, I wonder if that's real. Last year, year and a half, I guess a year and a half ago now, we heard about this Burlington revival. It was in the news. It was everywhere. How many of you heard about that? It was a tent revival in Burlington. Was it North Carolina or South Carolina or over that way anyway? And a preacher by the name of C.T. Townsend went and just regular church meetings. They put up a tent. They were going to have a revival for a week. And then it went into the second week. And people were getting saved every night. And they had to start rescheduling meetings and more people were coming and they had to get a bigger tent and now they were packing it with 3,500, 4,000 people every single night and 100, 120 people getting saved every single night and I'm sitting back going, is this for real? That's kind of how we think sometimes, isn't it? We're skeptical. Do you know that I, now on Twitter, I follow a preacher that was saved in that revival a year and a half ago. Now he's an evangelist himself and preaching the gospel and seeing people saved and lives changed and hey, there's some real fruit from it. God blessed it, and we, we, we know that there'll be some that, that went and made a profession of faith and maybe truly never accepted Christ. We, we understand that. That happens all the time in every church, but, but friends, we, we, we sometimes get skeptical about those things, and, and, uh, but I want you to know that as the Holy Ghost impressed on Simeon's heart and the Holy Ghost impressed on Anna's heart, when that child came, they did not miss it. They knew it was from God. I might be of the crowd that stood back and said, Anna, you're crazy. It's just a baby. There's babies that come in here every single day on the eighth day after their birth, and they're circumcised, and they're named, and they offer a couple turtle doves as a gift of thanksgiving to God. It happens every day, Anna. Why do you think this baby's so special? Because God told me. Here's, here's what I want you to, to get this morning. When God shows up, do you roll your eyes? Or do you have the spiritual insight to perceive it? Somebody said this. 
that if the rapture happened today, 90% of all church work would continue. That might be true, I don't know. But wouldn't that be sad? If God came today, that 90% of church work would continue. Oh, are we doing the work of God without God? Do you have the ability to walk in the spirit of God in such a way that you can see something that's genuine and real and the working of God? Read your New Testament and you will find that all through the disciples on several occasions said, Jesus, do you know that John the Baptist is baptizing more disciples than you? And Jesus' answer was what? A man can receive nothing except it is given to him of God. Gamaliel was challenged by the other Pharisees and they were talking about the ministry of Paul and they were angry about what was going on and Gamaliel simply said, if God is in it, you can't overthrow it. So why are you worried about it? If it is not of God, it will come to naught. But if God is in it, you cannot overthrow it. I I hope and pray that you have the desire in your heart to say, God, that's what I want. I want to walk with God in such a way that I see Christ everywhere. I see his hand of mercy. I see his love and his grace extended to me. Here's what I'm saying today. Simeon and Anna did not take Christ for granted because they walked with God. You say, how do we take Christ for granted? Was Christ part of your celebration this week? Did the thoughts of his glory and splendor enter your mind at all during that Christmas feast? As you unwrap those gifts that were given underneath that tree that you had decorated... Did his name even cross your lips? Colton spoke to our Sunday school this morning. And he didn't go very long. You know how young guys preach everything they know in 10 minutes. But he did a good job. And the thought that he pricked my heart was with both thankfulness. He said to those kids, you know, we got all these gifts and things. But are you thankful to God for what you received? God has blessed you with. Some of you remember a time where getting a piece of fruit in a stocking was a wonderful Christmas. Some of you folks that maybe came through the depression. Some of you folks that came from other countries that weren't as fortunate as we are in North America and blessed. Boy, we're so blessed. But are you taking God for granted? Simeon and Anna did not. They were so in tune with the Holy Spirit of God that when he came, they perceived this is the Christ. And if an 84-year-old woman, and I don't know how old Simeon was, but it seems like he was quite old, if they were able to dance, I'm sure they were dancing all over that temple, shouting and proclaiming and rejoicing in God for his wonderful gift. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning for a moment. Really, if you want to know, you say, what is, what is this summary of this whole message? Is this, here's what their call was. They had a call to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Everything else they did, everything else they prophesied, everything else they praised, it was all a result 
of surrendering and being filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Can I ask you a question? What if, what if Simeon had taken a day off? What if for 50 years he walked with God, was filled with the Holy Ghost, and but for one day said, ah, oh, you know what, I'm going to live for myself today. I'm just going to get in the flesh and I'm going to enjoy some life and I'm going to do what I want to do. And that was the day that the Holy Spirit wanted to send him to the temple. It's not worth it, is it? We indulge in the flesh and we indulge in this life and we indulge in sin and we miss out on the Spirit of God. We vex him, we grieve him, we shun him. And God is saying, I want to have full control in your life. What joy and what blessings come from following in the Lord Jesus Christ and being filled with his spirit. Let's stand this morning as the instruments play. Brother Baker's going to sing a song of invitation. If God has spoke to your heart, would you surrender to that call today? Would you ask God, God, would you teach me how to be filled with the spirit? Would you help me to be filled with the spirit? Would you allow me to be filled with the spirit? Would you cleanse my heart that the spirit might have full control? Whatever your need is, would you come to God in prayer today? Maybe there's one here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. You know, the Spirit of God doesn't take up residence in your life. He doesn't indwell you until you become a child of God. Then he'll put his seal on you. He'll indwell you with his Holy Spirit. What you're feeling right now is the conviction of the Holy Spirit externally. He's pricking your heart. He wants you to be his child, but you must come to him and trust Jesus Christ. Is there one say, preacher, I need to be saved, so I'll come. I won't embarrass you. Just come down this aisle right now. We'll have somebody take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life. Brother Baker, you go ahead and sing.